Welcome to Kevin Connor's podcast. This 24-part series on interpreting the book of Revelation was given at Tungling Bible College in Singapore back in 2002. Be sure to get a copy of the textbook by the same title, available from Amazon in your region in paperback and ebook formats, or as an immediate PDF download from the shop at kevinconnor.org. Not cemetery. Okay? Big difference. Cemetery, very dead. Seminary, very alive. Right? And uh, seminary, the very word seminar actually means uh, dispersing and scattering of seed. There's that whole thought behind it. So, welcome to the seminar and welcome to the concentration camp <laughs> and consecration camp. You're going to have to do both. You have to be consecrated, not to miss any sessions, as has been said, and uh, cons- concentrate. Concentration camp. How many were here about uh, 1998, I think it was? Or uh, Yes, how many were here on the previous occasion? Well, welcome. This should be a uh, refresher course for you. So looking forward to a great time uh, together. All right, let's have a word of prayer as we uh, open our seminar here. Why don't we all stand? You'll be sitting long enough. Just stand. Now you're all sitting comfortable there. Let's all stand. You're looking so comfortable there. Let's lift our hands uh, to the Lord as an act of surrender. Father, here we are again in your wonderful presence, in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, we just lift our hands uh, towards you as an act of surrender as we just commit our time and our spirit, our soul, our mind, our will, our emotions, our whole total being to you for this week. Pray, Lord, that uh, as Paul prayed for the Ephesians, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of yourself will be upon us and that the eyes of our understanding will be enlightened, Lord. It will not just be information to the mind, but uh, formation of our character, of our spirit, and building into his uh, godly character. Let not just be information, Father, but formation uh, of a Christ-like character in all of us for these days. Thank you, Father. Bless each of the students. Bless, uh, pray that you'll bless me, Lord, and that there'll be no communication gap as we share in your wonderful, inexhaustible word. We ask this in the wonderful name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. And just by way of introduction here, uh, the textbooks that I'll be teaching from uh, 70 Weeks Prophecy and uh, Interpreting the Book of Revelation and also uh, Christian Millennium. And then the uh, big uh, Kevy's Heavy Revies, they call it. Um, uh, the Book of Revelation, um, yeah, yeah, it's like that. Uh, printed here in Malaysia, so it's guaranteed to be good. <laughs> Few spelling mistakes, but they were Australian spelling. My computer doesn't always spell. So uh, some of these papers will be available. Uh, later on. Alright, so that's just the uh, textbooks. And uh, what I want to do is present the view that uh, I personally hold and I think uh, uh, Dr. Hong Singh holds. And uh, in the textbooks we've done, we've put all the other different views and different schools of eschatology. And uh, so uh, if you want to explore that further, you can. Alright, now our first session, which will be a little bit shorter, but I just want to do some introductory material here. And so in the, uh, in the, uh, the notes that we've given you, the outline, you'll notice that on the, uh, 
on the left-hand side, we'll just give it an outline of the chapter because we're only going to be able to touch on the high spots of the book. We're not going to be able to do a verse-by-verse -verse commentary. Uh, that's already been done in the textbooks I've mentioned. And then on the uh, right side, uh, you've just got some additional notes. So if you want to fill in on some of the parts here, which we'll touch on the high spots, and then uh, on the blank side uh, for notes there. All right, now the first thing I want to do is uh, maybe I'll get a good hold of this uh, here. I want to uh, just have you take this down, and uh, these are methods, so you'll have to just have a uh, blank sheet of paper for this. Uh, these are seven methods of viewing the book of Revelation. Now, those of you who did the seminar years ago, you'll find that there's a lot more material here than you had then, and just uh, another different approach. So methods of viewing Revelation, we'll just do this by way of introduction. And uh, you may have to get your binoculars out, but that's all right. Okay, so if you can't quite see it here, I'll say it here. So number one, the first, uh, these are just different methods of viewing Revelation, and the six of them are, are what I would say you're very safe on. Some people get really uh, concerned about Revelation and such a controversial book, and so uh, so much division in the body of Christ over interpreting this book. But these first six methods, or uh, yes, you're very safe on. So number one uh, is looking at the book historically. And especially when it comes to Revelation chapters 1, 2, and 3, uh, where we deal with the local churches, and uh, most expositors would believe that those seven local churches in Asia, uh, which we'll touch on very briefly because I believe we've been having some excellent teaching on that, but uh, looking at these seven churches locally, and most expositors would see that these churches are prophetical. So though there were, there were more than seven churches in existence at the time, and uh, Paul wrote to seven churches, and John wrote to seven churches. So why did the head of the church sort of pick out these seven churches and took them as example churches, both locally and they become prophetical of, uh, of churches to God through? And if uh, uh, we want to develop that, we can see that the sevenfold condition of those seven churches are all evident in the, in the world today. So uh, people belong to one church or even a couple. So the seven churches in Asia. And that's a very safe approach to look at the book of Revelation historically, especially uh, Revelation chapters 1, 2, and 3. Number two, the second approach that you can look at the book, and this is a, a very safe approach that anybody could do regardless of their eschatological position, is look at the major doctrines in the book of Revelation. And uh, I've just got a list of some of them here. For instance, the doctrine of God. That is a theme right through that God is sovereign, God is on the throne, God rules and reigns over everything. Doctrine of God. And then another great doctrine in the book of Revelation is the doctrine of Christ. We'll touch on that a little bit more later on. But the doctrine of Christ, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ, King of kings and Lord of lords. Uh, another great theme, theological uh, theme in the book, is the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. And uh, this is just my style of uh, study. I've gone through every reference to the Holy Spirit in the book of Revelation. It's a very safe approach. Uh, to speak on, say, let's look at the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the book of Revelation. So, doctrine of the Holy Spirit. Another uh, good theological thing, well, not a good one, but a, uh, a bad one, but it's still theological, is the doctrine of Satan. 
Uh, that's not a good doctrine. It's bad. It's bad news. And uh, just to follow uh, the doctrine of Satan through the Bible, and the best part I like about the doctrine of Satan is where, where he's thrown into the lake of fire and lives unhappily ever after. How I many think that's really great? And uh, sometimes I say to the Lord, the sooner the better. Hurry up and get it over and be done with it. All right, so doctrine of Satan. Another, another great theological theme in Revelation is the doctrine of angels. Uh, the word angel is used numerous times in, in the book of Revelation. And we just have to check out, as we'll see later on, pardon me, uh, see later on, uh, who, who the angel is, whether it's referring to the Lord Jesus Christ or angelic beings or Satan is a fallen angel or Michael, or good, the goodies or the baddies. And so I've gone through every reference in the book of Revelation on the doctrine of angels. And then uh, also the doctrine of sin. And the, the best part I like about sin, if there's any part about sin you can like, is that sin is going to be made an end of and forever banished. And we'll go to a new heavens and new earth and live happily ever after. And we can say amen on that. And then another great uh, theological doctrine in the, in the book, of, uh, book of Revelation is the theme of judgment. And uh, we'll be doing this. Uh, the book of Revelation actually is a book of judgment. It begins where Jesus Christ is standing in the midst of his church uh, as the judge, judging the church to cleanse it and purify the church. It ends up with the great white throne judgment. So, uh, and the various trumpets, the seals, the bowls of wrath, uh, all to do with judgments of God. And uh, I'll, I'll refer to this more fully. This is just by way of introduction. Um, uh, in fact, why don't you turn over, uh, turn over to this verse quickly while it's in my mind. Uh, Isaiah chapter 20, 26, I think it is. Yeah, Isaiah chapter 26, and especially, uh, especially verse, um, verse 9. So Isaiah 26, verse 9, listen to the language here. And, and by the way, the studies are based on Old King James or you save on New King James. So uh, other translations don't always bring uh, certain things out. So uh, for those who uh, uh, use the text, so either New, Old King James or New King James. And Isaiah 26, verse 9 says, With my soul... Have I desired thee in the night? Yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. For when your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. So Revelation is a book of judgments and it shows God's judgments in the earth. But listen to verse 10. Let favor be shown to the wicked, or the New King James says, let grace be shown to the wicked, they will not learn. And how many know that human nature, we often learn the hard way? So when your judgments are in the earth, then the habits of the earth will learn righteousness. And I think when we look at the whole world scene today, it's evident that God's judgments are, are coming into the earth more and more so that people will learn. But human nature is we learn the hard way. Uh, and he says, let grace be shown to the wicked, but you'll not learn righteousness. Uh, but in the land of the uprightness, he will deal unjustly and will not behold the majesty of the Lord. So, Revelation is the book of judgment. And then, uh, also theologically, uh, the doctrine of eternal states. People say, okay, where are we going to go? What's going to be the end of things? All right, Revelation chapter 20 and 21, 22 give us a picture of the eternal states. All right, so it's a very safe approach. All right, number three, the third approach that we can take here is just taking the spiritual truths and there were certain uh, schools, and if you want to put this down, uh, uh, referred to as idealist. 
And so the idealist, the taking ideas to say, well, Revelation is just a book that gives us a lot of principles of truths, just certain ideals, and we can just look at it that way. And that's a safe way. And as I've got on the, the outline there, timeless truths and lessons for all generations, and the Revelation basically teaches the conflict of good and evil and, and the end result. So, so that's a very safe approach. Anybody can do that. Any minister can feel safe on these uh, first several approaches. All right, number four, another method of viewing Revelation. This is a very safe approach uh, because so many ministers are afraid to handle the book of Revelation and say, well, it's so controversial. So, look, you're safe on these first six approaches. All right, number five is to look at the book of Revelation Christologically and just seeing uh, uh, Christ in, in Revelation. And uh, as the first verse says, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him. So the book is the revelation of Jesus Christ, the revelation of him, to him, and from him. That's the picture that we have there. And uh, if you want to put alongside these chapters I've put on the overhead, Revelation 1, just wanted to put a little bit of a fill in here. Revelation chapter 1 is a revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ as the head of the church, or the high priest judge. So Revelation chapter 1, a revelation of Jesus Christ as the head of the church, the high priest judge. That's the first picture that we have. So Revelation chapter 1, and we'll develop this more fully. I just want to sort of introduce the book to you. Uh, revelation chapter 4 and 5 is another revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it's the basic theme, the major theme of the book of Revelation. Jesus is revealed there as the Lamb of God. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. See, it's like God has sort of ransacked nature uh, to try and get so many pictures of the Lord Jesus Christ. And no one picture is adequate to express the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Revelation chapter 4 and 5, it's the revelation of Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God. So, in chapter 1, he's revealed as the high priest judge standing in the midst of the church to uh, purify the church and make it a glorious church. Revelation chapter 4 and 5 is revealed as the sacrifice. In chapter 1, he's the sacrificer. In chapter 4 and 5, he's the sacrifice. In uh, chapter 1, he's the priest. In chapter 4 and 5, he's the sacrifice. In his, in his human nature, he's the sacrifice. In his divine nature, he's the priest. So it's the revelation of Jesus Christ. All right, Revelation chapter 7. And we'll look at this more fully later on. But Jesus is revealed there as the Jehovah angel, sealing the 144,000. So not an ordinary angel, as we'll see later on, but the Jehovah angel sealing, as we'll see, with the Holy Spirit, uh, the 144,000, which we'll deal with later on. So Jehovah angel, uh, the messenger. Revelation chapter... Uh, chapter 8, that should be the computer made a mistake again. So Revelation chapter 8 instead of chapter 9. Uh, Jesus is revealed there as the Jehovah angel and intercessor. So the Jehovah angel intercessor because in that picture, as we'll see later on, uh, he comes and receives the incense, the prayers of the saints. And no ordinary angel can take the prayers of the saints back to the Father. All our prayers, in fact, this may be a shock statement, even as Christians, we cannot go to God direct. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. 
So we cannot go to God direct. We have to go to God through the Lord Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and life. No man comes to the Father. He, he ever lives to make intercession for them that come unto God by Him. So the moment we come to God, we'll say, Father, I come to you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're coming through our great intercessor. So Revelation chapter 8 is Christ as the Jehovah angel in the intercessor. Revelation chapter 10, and we'll be looking at this more fully later on. Again, he's revealed as the Jehovah angel, but he's the one that opens the book of Daniel to John. Now, I'm making statements here, but we'll confirm this later on. So, Revelation chapter 10 is revealed as the Jehovah angel and the revealer and opener of the book of Daniel because the book of Daniel, certain parts, was sealed to Daniel and it was sealed to the time of the end. But in Revelation chapter 10, we see the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, and I know I'll make these statements, we'll confirm it later on. We see the Lord Jesus Christ actually taking the book of Daniel and opening the sealed part of Daniel to John. And then John continues the book of Daniel where Daniel left off. In Revelation chapter 19, which is the ultimate revelation, Jesus Christ is revealed uh, not as a little babe, but as riding on a white horse, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And um, that's where the little baby, hallelujah, not too, not too much there. I said, it's worth a little baby, hallelujah. Okay, so Revelation 19, King of Kings. So just to do that, this is a very safe approach. So, okay, we're going to do a series of Sundays or studies on the Lord Jesus Christ in the book of Revelation. He's revealed as the high priest. He's revealed as the Lamb of God, as the sealing angel, as the one who opens the book of Daniel, and so forth, as the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. All right, number five, another good safe approach uh, looking at, uh, at the book of Revelation is to look at uh, the book of Revelation devotionally. And there are actually 17, I think it's 17 worship scenes in the book of Revelation. So 17 worship scenes, and you could just take each of those worship scenes and see the tremendous picture that we have. So Revelation, uh, uh, yeah, Re Revelation 17 worship scenes and the worship as the Lamb opens the book. So you can just look at the book devotionally if you want the people to be a worshipping people. Let's uh, take a series of studies on the book of Revelation on the worship scenes in that book. So that's another tremen tremendous approach. And then uh, number six, is looking at the book thematically, just taking the different themes, and uh, we'll be doing this, in fact, what I'll be doing is weaving some of these methods of viewing Revelation together. Uh, number six, thematically, or just following topics or themes right through the book of Revelation. As I said, I've gone through every reference to the Holy Spirit in the book of Revelation. That is a tremendous theme, tremendous message there, just to say, okay, I want to talk about the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the book of Revelation. Another one that we're going to do is having ears to hear. There's something very unique about this theme uh, that's uh, through Revelation. The theme of the overcomers, that's a tremendous, uh, everybody is classified basically into two groups and they might say they're either overcomers or non-overcomers. You're either overcome or overcomer. I'd like to be an overcomer, wouldn't you? And what are things that we have to overcome? Uh, another thing that we'll be looking at, uh, we have woven throughout, is the whole theme of trumpets. Uh, turn to Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10. And also, if you want to, in connection with this, you can turn to your notes on this, on this part here, Revelation chapter 1, verse 10. And uh, in verse 10 it says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, 
and heard behind me a great voice as of a trumpet. And if you want to put on your notes there on uh, page 1 on your notes, uh, Revelation 1 verse 10, I believe that this is the key to the whole book. This is the key. John was in the Spirit. So if John was in the Spirit to receive the book, how many think we need to be in the Spirit to receive the book? And uh, I, I've read probably over a hundred different books on Revelation over my year, uh, years, and I put them in the bibliography on some of the textbooks. And there's so many contradictions. I say, well, look, John was in the Spirit to get this book. Quite evident that these other hundred guys, they were not in the Spirit, or they wouldn't contradict each other. Because if we were all in the Spirit, and the Spirit was giving us the same thing as gave to John, how many you know we'd all end up believing the same thing? You believe what I believe. <laughs> Just, just uh, Alright, so, so what I'm saying there is John was in the Spirit on the Lord's Day and he received the book in the Spirit. So we're either in the Spirit, is playing on these words, either in the Spirit or in the flesh. It's one way or the other. So I think because so many contradictions that people say, oh, you're not, you're in the flesh. But why do we have so many contradictions? So the, this is the key verse. John was in the Spirit and then the theme was uh, here, he heard behind him a great voice as of a trumpet. And uh, as we're going to see later on, trumpets is a great theme uh, to go through. And a lot of people today are looking for the rapture trumpet when they haven't even had the feast of trumpets. And they've never studied these things. And so I've gone through for my own study every reference to trumpets in the total Bible and every reference to trumpets in the book of Revelation. We'll be touching on that later on. But just to show you the great themes that are woven throughout the book. Alright, so the six, six uh, methods of viewing Revelation historically, theologically, spiritual truths, Christologically, uh, devotionally and thematically, they are very safe ways to look at the book of Revelation. The most controversial area is number seven. So number seven is looking at the book eschatologically. And you can just put that down on your notes. That's the most controversial area, looking at the book eschatologically. Uh, eschaton simply means the word eschaton, on which we get eschatology, uh, spelled something like this, E-S-C-H-O-T-O-N, I think that's it, uh, simply means the end. So we're looking at things, eschatology, from which we get end times, that's all it means. So we think of the proton, which is very nice to drive, <laughs> but I'm looking for the eschaton. <laughs> when are you going to bring your car out, call that? You're not game. <laughs> Okay, so the eschaton, the end, end time. So this would be the most controversial. And so this is dealing with a prophetic viewpoint. And here in the eschatological approach, we bring Daniel and Revelation together. Uh, the notable 70-week prophecy, which we'll be touching on. Uh, the image from Daniel and Revelation. The beasts in Daniel and Revelation. And the beast kingdoms in Daniel and Revelation. So uh, number seven is the most controversial approach. So what I'm going to be doing in our uh, crash course here... And sort of weave some of these things, uh, these methods of viewing Revelation uh, uh, together and uh, see how we go. Okay, and as I said, all the different other views are in the, in, in the textbooks I've written. Okay, so that's just by way of introduction. Now I want you to turn over to um, uh, your book of Revelation chapter 1 now.
But on that day and that hour knows no man, no, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. So the angels don't know about the second coming, or didn't know about the second coming then, and the Son didn't know, but he said the Father. And so, when Jesus goes back to heaven, after his death, burial, and resurrection, when he goes back to heaven and the Father says, sit on my right hand until I make all your enemies your footstool, I believe it was at that time the Father gave him, as we might say, he gave his son the book of Revelation. So that's why it starts off in, in Revelation 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him. So the Father gave to the Son, okay? It's like the Father said to the Son, okay, Son, you fulfill my will in the first coming, now, here's the details of his second coming. So, number one, the divine chain of communication, first of all, number one, is from God the Father. Number two, the second step in this divine chain of communication, it was given to Jesus Christ, the Son, the head of the church. So, you feel feeling, I'll put this on the overhead in a moment here, but I want you to sort of uh, follow along with me here. So, number two, it was given to Jesus Christ. So, number one, from God the Father, and then number two, to Jesus Christ, the Son, who's the head of the church. So, read it again. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto him to show unto his servants. All right. So, it's given to Jesus Christ, who is... Uh, so, all the Father's communication comes from the Father through the Son. We used to sing it back in the Dark Ages. Uh, oh, to God be the glory. Oh, come to the Father through Jesus the Son. So God the Father has nothing to say to man apart from Jesus Christ. So all, all the Father's communication has to come through the Son. So God gave it to the Son. So Jesus Christ the Son, the head of the church. Then number three, the third thing that we know here is the revelation of Jesus Christ which God gave unto him to show unto his servants which uh, things must shortly come to pass. And he sent and signified it, or signified it. So sign, sign, by signs and symbols, signified it, signified it by his angel. So number three, this word angel uh, is angelos, and it simply means a messenger. And as we're going to see in due time, uh, the word angel is used many, many, many times. I forget how many times in Revelation. And what we have to discern is whether he's talking about uh, or angelic beings, the goodies, or fallen angels, like the devil, Satan and his angels, or Michael and his angels, or whether he's talking about human beings, like as I understand it when he says, write to the angel of the church of Ephesus, write to the angel. I don't think he's writing to uh, ordinary angels. Uh, because if he is, they may be fallen angels, because he said to some of those angels, you've left your first love, you're committing adultery, you're into fornication, and so forth. So if the angels in charge of the churches, they must be bad angels. And there's no bad angels here this morning, is there? No fallen ones? Okay, so I personally believe he's writing to the senior minister, to the angelos, the messenger of the church. So we have to check out whether the word angel is used of angelic beings, uh, of the Jehovah angel, the Lord Jesus Christ, or of human beings, or of the devil and his angels. So that's what you have to check out. Now, so the word here is messenger, an angel. So let's look at the chain of communication. So God the Father, number one, gave the revelation to Jesus Christ the Son, and now the Son, he communicates this message, or the book of Revelation, through a messenger, an angel. All right? Uh, I'll come back to that in a moment. Number four, uh, the next uh, in the chain of communication is 
Number four, it was given to the Apostle John. So he sent and signified it by his messenger unto his servant John. So fourth in the chain of divine communication is to the beloved Apostle John. Last of the Apostles, uh, John is on the Isle of Patmos, not on a misguided tour. He's there as a prisoner of Jesus Christ, suffering for the kingdom of God. So, representing apostolic ministry. That's what I'm saying. So, God the Father to Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ to a mysterious messenger, and this messenger to apostolic ministry. And I personally believe that it's going to take apostolic ministry in these last days to unveil a book of Revelation in a clear and a fuller way, because it was given to the church uh, and should be understood by the church. And we could say amen to that. And uh, it bothers me sometimes when so many ministers say, oh, who cares about the book of Revelation? I'm a pan-millennialist. It'll all pan out, which it will, regardless of what Kevin McCullough believes or any of us believe. But he, this is the only book in the New Testament that he distinctly put a blessing on those that read and hear and obey it. No other book he does on this one. So I'd like to get all the blessing I can from the Lord. Amen? Amen. So I can be a blessing, not to bless me, not a bless me club, but to be a blessing. Alright, so it's given to the Apostle John, the beloved Apostle, and uh, Apostolic Ministry. Then, number five, next in the chain of communication, what does John do? In, uh, in verse... Um, Yeah, somewhere in this chapter, uh, John is told to write and send it to the, the messenger of the seven churches. Write to the angel. That's right, like Revelation chapter 2 verse 1. Unto the angel, or the messenger of the church of Ephesus, unto the messenger of the church of Thyatira. So to each church, uh, the letter is sent to the messenger, to the messenger, to the angelos of that church. So number five. John's apostolic ministry now sends it to the angel, the messenger of the seven churches. And then uh, we'll pick that up later. And then number six, uh, the, uh, the next one is, it's given to the local church. So the messenger of that church, and I, I'm glad that the postman or the mailman did not get the letters mixed up. I would not like to have got the, the letter to the church of Ephesus if I was in the church of Philadelphia. I'm about to spew you out of my mouth. You make me sick. You're neither hot nor cold. Hey, wrong letter, wrong address. Send that off down to one bung lung. Uh, someone else, yeah. Uh, how many glad that the mailman didn't get the letters mixed up? Because God, the Lord had a distinct message to each of the seven churches. All right, so to the local churches, so number six. And then number seven, what was the responsibility of the church? The church in turn was to warn the world because the Lord had set the church in the city so that the church could affect the city, not the city affect the church. So instead of allowing the condition of the city to get into the church, the church should affect the city. That's the picture. So I put it up here. So this is what we've had. We want to come back to number four in a moment. So number one, divine chain of communication. So number one, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God the Father. So from God the Father, the source, the foundation. Number two, to Jesus Christ, which God gave to him. Here you are, son, sit on my right hand. Now, you've completed the work of redemption. I want you to send this message to the seven churches. You're the head of the church. Then number three, to a messenger, to an angel, on the list. And then number four, this messenger, whoever it was, I want you to look at that a moment. 
is to the beloved Apostle John, apostolic ministry. Then John, apostolic ministry, is to write to the messenger, the angelos of the seven churches in Asia. Then the churches, the letter was read to them. And uh, what a morning it must have been in Ephesus, a letter to see. I've just, I've just got a letter from Jesus Christ. And he writes to the Laodiceans, you're neither hot nor cold, you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth unless you repent. Wow. I wonder what happened if there was a revival in the church of Laodicea that morning. All right. And then the local churches responding as the congregation is able to warn the world. That's what it's about. All right. Now, just before we take a break. So that's the sevenfold chain of communication. Now, I want you to go back to number, uh, number three here a moment. Number three. A messenger. Now there's a difference of opinion over it. Basically it falls into uh, two views here concerning this mysterious messenger. And uh, uh, you'll just have to sort of read through the book. And if you've got a good cross-reference Bible, uh, this is what I find on this messenger. I find that there's seven things said about this messenger. And so what we can do is say these seven things which I've gone through on the messenger. So this angel so John, uh, John received this message from an angel, Angelos, and there's basically two theories. Uh, one theory says that this angel is just an angelic being, so an ordinary angelic being, uh, gave this book to John, and then John wrote the seven churches. Number two, I want to give you another view, and this, this would be the view I hold, okay? So that a lot would hold this view, uh, I would hold this view along with uh, some others in the school of thought. Now, in the cross references that we've got, and there's about four or five references to this mysterious messenger, I want you to take down the seven things that it says about this messenger. And uh, by sort of process of elimination, uh, we uh, hope to say, well, I don't agree with that view, this is the view. All right, so first of all, we're told that this angel who gave the book of Revelation to John was a messenger. The word angel or angelo simply means messenger and it's used of angelic beings, human beings, the Lord Jesus Christ, whatever. So the messenger. Then number two, when John, later on in Revelation 19, is about to worship this angel, this messenger, the angel says to him, look, I am your fellow servant. All right, the question we ask is, are angels fellow servants in the true sense of the word? Then number three, the third thing that this angel says about himself, he said, I am of your brethren. Well, are angels our brothers? No, because man was created a little lower than the angels. And then number four, the, this messenger says, I'm, a, I'm your fellow servant, I'm of your brethren, and I'm of the prophets. Well, angels are not prophets. So this messenger, all the way through the book of Revelation, he says, don't worship me, I'm your fellow servant, I'm of your brethren, I'm of the prophets. And then number five, uh, this language is inapplicable to an ordinary angel. And then number five, he says, I have the testimony of Jesus. Well, angels do not have the testimony of Jesus. Angels cannot preach the gospel. Uh, 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 they can give you the, the address. <laughs> like when uh, the angel appeared to Cornelius, he said, well, he works here and he's working in Messiah. He's a tanner. He lives in uh, street no number so-and-so. His post, post box number is 666. So forth, everything like that. But, but beyond that, the angels do not preach the gospel. And so this, uh, this mysterious messenger is the testimony of Jesus. Then number six, he says, he has the spirit of prophecy. Angels do not prophesy. That's given to the church. And then number seven, he says, I keep the sayings of this book. 
I'm referring particularly to the book of Revelation. All right, so the other view uh, that is held, and this is the view I would hold, and I'm not alone on this, that I believe that this person here was a human being and it was Enoch. And uh, when we pick this up later on, we find that Enoch is the seventh from Adam. Why don't you turn over to Jude? Uh, one there, and then we'll take a, a break here. Turn over to Jude. And uh, look at verse 14 and 15, Jews, just before the book of Revelation, in case you haven't got that. Okay, Jude 14 and 15. And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam. And Revelation is a book of sevens. There are 57 sevens in the book of Revelation. The only seven that is not there is seven years. So for those of you who want seven years tribulation, help yourself. They have 107 for all I care, okay? Uh, so some people argue, well, what was seven years tribulation? Okay, well, you can have 707. 57, don't bother me. But seven is not to be found in Revelation. Seven years. 57 sevens, but the only seven that's not there is seven years tribulation. So, but if they get hot under the collar about the agitation, like, hey, have seven years tribulation. Help yourself. I don't mind. I don't want any myself, but if you want seven, fine. Don't get, don't get upset with me. Don't lose your second blessing over it. Okay, I'll give you 14, 28. How many sevens do you want? Relax. Okay, verse 14 quickly. And so Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, The Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints. So Enoch, he leaps way over the first coming and prophesies of the second coming. Then, what's some of his prophecy? Not only the coming of the Lord, the second coming, he prophesies of judgment, to execute judgment upon all, and to convince all that are ungodly among them, of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed, and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Four times the word ungodly is mentioned there. Four times the word all is mentioned. And when I looked up the Greek meaning of the word all, you know what I found it to mean? Oh. All means all, and that's all that all means. Well, okay, so I, I would the school that holds that Enoch, who would be more fitting of the three men that were translated in the Old Testament, Enoch, Moses, and Elijah, who would be more fitting to talk about the second coming and give to John the book of the Revelation of the second coming than Enoch, who prophesied of the second coming, prophesied of judgment, and the Lord's coming with 10,000 of his saints Be sure to visit kevinconnor.org for more information about Kevin, his books and his ministry.